0: Okay. Before I get start preaching this morning, I want to put in a disclaimer. Uh, th- this week, as with every first week of the year, the Assemblies of God designates this week as a, a, a time of prayer, a week of prayer, starting off the new year in prayer, which I think is fantastic. Amen. Amen. The prayer emphasis uh, this year actually comes from a book. That is called Awesome, Exploring the, na- the Nature and Names of Jesus. It's by Dick Eastman. If you want the full book, you can go out on Amazon and buy it. It's, it's about 30 days' journey of looking at the names and praying through the names of Jesus. Um, I have a few copies of excerpts out there from it. It's a seven-day journey in that. And uh, my disclaimer is, this morning is, is when this starts. There's also a small sheet of paper back there, a half sheet that, that actually has the daily prayer focuses. So my, uh, my disclaimer this morning is, this, uh, this sermon is actually uh, preaching the first chapter, I guess you would say, the first day in, in this, um, which is today, and it's uh, the Supreme Jesus. So that's what we're going to be speaking about today, the Supreme Jesus. Um, as, as I was reading through this, um, as I was reading through this book, preparing, um, I, was, I was like, man, this, this guy's got some really cool things to say about this. So, Uh, A lot of what I'm going to say today actually comes from his book. (laughs) Now, believe me, it's Bible-based, but I just want to put it out there. So in case you pick up the book and you start reading it, you're going, oh, this is exactly what Pastor Mike said. Okay. (laughs) Let me encourage you. If uh, get the book, the thirty day journey through this is I think is fantastic. Uh, Dick Eastman is uh, a longtime minister with the assemblies of God. He has um, he has a ministry called Christ in every home. Um, so it's it's he's a, um, he's a great great man of God. Um, now, he does quote from the message and from the, um, the, um, the Passion Translation. I'm not a big fan of the Passion Translation, but that's just me. Um, still, God can still speak to you through it. But also, back there in, on our welcome table are these cards. These cards are prayer reminders. And there's actually spots on this prayer for you, this card to put down a prayer list. Let me encourage you, make a prayer list, write down what you're praying about, what you say, why, pastor, do you do that? Because, first of all, it's a reminder of what you are praying for, and if you're like me, when you kneel down to pray, sometimes other things jump in your head and start distracting you, you know, or you fall asleep, or... You know, depending upon what time of day it is. I'm just saying, if you have a prayer reminder, something that you're going off of, uh, you can keep your focus in prayer. Because there's nothing more than, the, than what the devil likes to do is to keep us unfocused in our prayer. He doesn't mind a church that has great worship in its service. What he's afraid of is a church That falls on its knees and prays. So with that, let us pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you, Lord God, for this day. And Father, as we uh, dig into this, who Jesus is and the supremacy of Jesus. God, I, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, put us on a pathway to actually exploring the greatness of who you are. And I thank you, Lord God, that we can find that in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise God. Amen. We're going to be hitting a couple Bible verses today. And um, I hope you have a pen and pencil. You can take notes on this. Because some of this stuff is, is, is really um, interesting. <laughs> but it comes from the Word of God. Amen. There's a Swiss, a Swiss professor called Karl Barth. Now, he's, he was one of the most influential um, theologians of, of the last century. And he would challenge his students. He would say this, quote, Show me your Christology, or Christology, and I will tell you who you are. Now, Christology, of course, is the study of the life of Christ. It's the theology of the person of Jesus Christ. It's who, it's your study of who is Jesus. Okay? Now, David Bryant, who is an author of uh, the classic volume, Christ is Now, in all 608 pages of this book, he exalts the person of Jesus Christ. Now he paraphrases Barth's words. He says this What you think about God's Son is the single most important thing any, anyone can know about you. What you think of Jesus is the single most important thing that anyone can know about you. He goes on to explain, In a profound sense, the core identity of any Christian must never be separated from his or her vision of Jesus Christ. That's because Christ is the core identity of Christianity itself. What you think, who you think... How you live in your theology of who Jesus is and how you identify as a Christian is the core value of who you are as a Christian. That's why it's important that we have a high high view of who Jesus is. Oh, there's, there's all kinds of religions out there that actually pull in Jesus Muslims believe he's a great prophet one of the greatest great teacher there's there's even in other religions around the world they see Jesus as a high teacher as a as a great even even in like the Hindu religion they see Jesus as, a, as a, a man of God. But they don't have the high view of who Jesus is. It's so important for us to see who Jesus really is. And the thing is, to sum, to sum up the Son, to sum up who Jesus is, is not an easy thing. But Mary kind of did it in her life, married the mother of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. After receiving the promise of the coming Messiah from the angel Gabriel, she actually sang a song. And part of those verses goes, "My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my savior. For he who is mighty, has done great things for me. And holy is his name. That comes from the New King James Version. Excuse me. And as a matter of fact, there's a song that is written from these verses. We call this the, the Magnificent. To magnify the Lord. To magnify means to make greater in size, status, or degree. Our word magnify comes from the Latin word "magnificare," or to make much of, or esteem highly. A.W. Tozer said, you can't make God big, but you can see God big. Understand that. You can make you can't make God big, but you can see God big. Sometimes I think we see God as if in our side view mirrors. You ever look in your side view mirror? There's words on there that say, objects in mirror are closer than they appear. That's because they look smaller. It's the way that the the, the glass in the mirror is, is constructed so that you see more of what you're looking at, but they look smaller, so they look further away. And I think that's how we look at God sometimes. He's so far away, we think, and He's smaller than He really is. We need to magnify the Lord. Amen? So together, this week in our time of prayer, our goal is to see God big, big, through the prism of looking at His Son. We're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to see that, that, that God, the Trinity, who God is, is much larger than our minds can fathom. The primary goal is to, is to both explore and to experience the awesome wonder in, in G, with Jesus in a new way. Now, wonder, by definition, is a person, thing, or event that causes astonishment and admiration. When was the last time you wondered just about Jesus, that you are in awe of who He is? Jesus is the personification of a person who causes astonishment and admiration. Uh, Wonder, likewise, is the feeling of surprise and awe aroused by something unexpected or incredible. How many of you have, this past Christmas season, started looking at all the lights? You remember doing that as a kid? And you you just didn't wonder, wow, man, awesome. That's what we need to do with Jesus. Because Jesus is full of awe-inspiring surprises. He is full of incredible blessings for his followers. He is the essence of astonishment and admiration. Quite simply, Jesus is awesome. Amen. Now, if you ever go through Scripture, you're going to see all kinds of descriptors of Jesus. During the Christmas season, we, we, we sing about some of these, you know? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We sing about these. But man, when you go through Scripture, there are hundreds of them. In the New Testament, in the Old Testament, describing who Jesus is. Now, why are there so many different descriptors or different names or, or phrases of the Lord? Louis, Louis de Leon, he's an Augustinian friar in theology. He lived back in the, the 1500s. Okay. He offers a most interesting observation. And of course, here, this is interesting because. He lived in um, 16th century Spain and he, he didn't have the Bible app where you can have 150 different translations, okay? But then, from his knowledge of Scripture, this is what he wrote Christ is given so many names because of his limitless greatness and the treasury of his very rich perfection and with them the host of functions and other benefits which are born in Him and spread over us. Just as they cannot be embraced by the soul's vision, so much less can a single word name them. Praise God. And, And I'll paraphrase that and say this. Jesus is so awesome That there's not enough descriptors to describe how awesome He is. As you seek to glorify the names of Christ this week in your prayer time, and I pray that you'd pick up those those, uh, prayer helps back there. Keep in mind that uh, the simple dictionary definition of name reads like this. A word or words by which an entity is designated and distinguished from others. My name is Michael Sean Powis. My son's name is Michael Sean Powis, Jr. My grandson's name is Michael Sean Powis, III. We all have the same name except for junior, and third. Now you can call me senior, but technically I don't have to take that on. But anyway, we all have different names because we're different people. Right? The many expressions describing Christ in the chapters uh, through Scripture clearly distinguish our Lord from all others. When you look at the names of who Jesus is and the descriptors of Christ, Definitely, definitely distinguish him from others. Andrew Murray wrote, wrote a, uh, a book called The Christ of the School of Prayer. This is a classic book, Andrew Murray. He says this, What is a person's name? Is it a word or expression in which a person is represented to us? When I mention or hear a name, it brings to mind the whole man what I know of Him, and also the impression He has made on me. He goes on to say, His name is the symbol of His power. And so each name of God embodies and represents some part of the glory of the unseen one. The name of Christ is the expression of everything He has done and everything He is and lives to do as our mediator. So this is Jesus. That's the conclusion. And we begin at the conclusion. As we begin our our journey in exploring the, the wonders of the nature of the names of Jesus, there is nothing more central to our quest than to recognize and pursue the supremacy of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we look at is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is supreme. I suggest the beginning is the conclusion because, in the end, one can say nothing more than Christ is fully, categorically and emphatically supreme. He is supreme from the onset. He will be supreme through every aspect of of your journey in life. And He will be supreme in the end, and of course, there really is no end. Amen. Christ is supreme in eternity. And Christ is eternally supreme. Now, what do we mean by supreme? Supreme simply means most excellent, highest in rank, power, and authority, utmost, ultimate, superior. That's the definition. Synonyms for supreme abound. And each aptly applies to the Supreme Jesus. Some of those include paramount, matchless, unrivaled, unparalleled, unsurpassed, unequaled, unexcelled, dominant, indomitable, omnipresent, preeminent, unsurpassable, flawless, incomparable, exceptional, invaluable, and magnanimous. Oh, excuse me. Magnanimous. 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 Sorry about that. Magnanimous. Yeah. So where do we see this in Scripture? The writer of Hebrew believes, believes uniquely uh, and he highlights Christ's supremacy in, in Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews chapter three, verses one through six say this. Therefore, holy brothers. I'm pausing because I'm gonna hear see if I hear any Bibles turning. Hebrews chapter three. Hopefully you have your phones on silence on the hearing. Click 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 Click. Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, holy brothers, you you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses'. if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Talking about the supremacy of Christ, now you've got to remember that Hebrews was written to the Jews. And the Jews saw Moses as the greatest of the prophets. He's the one that freed them out of the bondage and slavery of, of Egypt. He's the one that gave them the law. He's the one that set up the, 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 the worship system and the, with, with all the sacrifices and the feasts and the fasts and the tabernacle. He's the one that set all that up. God actually set it up through him. So they look at Moses as being the greatest prophet. And what the writers of Hebrew is, Hebrews are is saying here is that Jesus... As faithful as Moses was in building up the house of God, Jesus is more than that. Because he is like the owner of the house. You understand? The message Bible says this. Consequently, you are no longer, excuse me, Oh that is oh here it is. I'm sorry. Oh my dear brother, oh my dear friends, take a good look, hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. Faithful in everything God gave him to do. Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets far more honor. Moses did a good job in God's house. But it was all servant work. Getting things ready for the for what was to come. Christ as God's son is in charge of the house he's the centerpiece of everything that's speaking to the supremacy of Christ Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 talking about the the supremacy of Christ this is the NIV here starting at verse 19 he said, it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Remember, Hebrews was talking about building a house talk about Moses and the prophets Paul says it's the apostles and the prophets that were that this was was built but their foundation is built on the cornerstone which is Jesus the supremacy of Jesus Paul says clearly that Jesus is the cornerstone a key definition of cornerstone reads like this, the basic, essential, or most important part of the foundation. A cornerstone for a new building typically represents a stone, and it's usually inscribed with the date and other details of the placing of the stone. Most often a cornerstone is placed in the building during a ceremony at the beginning of the, the building of the building. This adds to our definition of the supremacy of Christ. Not only is He the beginning of the building, He is the building itself. The supremacy of Christ cannot be overstated. It's the reality of all realities. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, most remembered for his definitive book, The Cost of Discipleship, if you can get that book, get that book and read. Awesome book, The Cost of Discipleship. He wrote in there, he said, In quote, in Christ, in Jesus Christ, the reality of God, entered into the reality of this world. Goes on to say, henceforth, one can speak neither of God nor of the world without speaking of Jesus Christ. Perhaps Scripture's most significant insight on the supremacy of Christ is found in, the, in the, uh, a passage from the Apostle Paul's letter to the, the Colossian church. Colossians chapter 1. I will pause as you flip your Bibles or find that verse. Colossians chapter 1. All things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Praise God. (coughs) Two things. Paul says, when Paul says he is the firstborn over all creation, doesn't mean that Jesus was born. Okay? Jesus, the Son of God, has always existed. The firstborn in there, where it says the firstborn over all creation, Paul is saying he is the, the number one over everything. The firstborn, he is the supreme over everything. It's a title. Firstborn is a title. It's not a position of birth in this instance. And then he says, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He is the very first to whoever... Uh, in." in, in Anytime, anywhere, he is the first one to die and be resurrected and never die again. Okay? But get this. It says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. We celebrated communion today. And I told you the story didn't end at the cross. He was resurrected. See, the death used to be the undefeatable foe. Everybody dies. You think everybody pays taxes and death are the only thing. No, the truth is, there's people that don't pay taxes. But everybody dies. So that would be an undefeatable foe. But look, Jesus even defeated death to prove his supremacy over everything. Everything. Paul uses the word here, translated everything. And you know what that means? That means everything. Everything is defined, as be, is defined as being, quote, all that exists, all that relates to the subject, all that is important, unquote. Someone wisely said, all means all, and that's all all means. I'll start Charles Spurgeon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of quotes from him. Sir Charles Sturgeon is arguably one of the greatest pulpit orators of all time. He was known for saying that he could take any that he would take any text from the Bible and proceed immediately to the cross, highlighting his conviction on the supremacy of Christ. Spurgeon once told his congregation, quote, I sometimes wonder that you do not get tired of my preaching because I do nothing but hammer away at this one nail. With me it is this, year after year, none but Jesus. And that's the theme of this week's prayer time. This week of prayer, Jesus is everything. He is supreme. He is extraordinary. He is incomparable. I don't think our journey will ever be complete when we look at the the supremacy, the magnificence, the descriptors of Jesus in Scripture. Many of our heads will spin in wonder, reverence, and delight. And when you read it and you pray through it, the only thing that you're going to be able to say is us. Awesome. Awesome. So in closing, I want to read you a, a quote uh, in one of Spurgeon's sermons um, on prayer. I actually got this from a... Uh, a book called Spurgeon on the Priority of Prayer. It's compiled by Jason K. Allen. Um, If you can get any of Spurgeon's sermons, I would encourage you to read them and let them bless you. I know he's old. Well, he's dead now, but he, he, you know, let me me tell you from, from... Spurgeon uh, was born in 1834 and lived and ministered in London, England, until he died in 1892. By the age of 19, he was pastoring one of the largest churches in London and as well on his way to accruing a global reputation and influence. People ask me, you're 34, actually you're 35 when we came to pastor here. Don't you feel a little young?" Spurgeon was 19 years old pastoring in one of the largest churches in London, okay? As a matter of fact, I'll give you a little history on, on how Spurgeon believes that took place. Spurgeon was a man of prayer. He loved to pray. And in his church, during Sunday worship time and meeting time when they got together, He had a group of individuals in the basement of the church praying during the whole service. For the service. For the souls that would hear the word of God. For the salvation of those souls. They prayed for the sermon. They prayed for the singing. They prayed for Spurgeon as he preached. He he, he had had a habit of giving people tours of his church. And he would take them down in the basement and explain to them, this is the powerhouse of our church. D.L. Moody once visited England and and visited the church. And somebody asked D.L. Moody, we all know who D.L. Moody is. isn't a great American preacher. They said, said, did you get to hear Spurgeon preach? And D.L. Moody, I'm going to get this quote right. Okay. That's right here. Um, D.L. Moody said this. He said, "Yes, but better still, I heard him pray." High view of prayer, Spurgeon had one of his sermons called uh, "Thanksgiving and Prayer." This is what he said. Beloved, the Lord has other paths besides those of the open means of grace. And when he talks about open means of grace, he's talking about communion and baptism. Okay? And these two drip up with abundance. Especially let me mention the path of prayer. No believer ever says, My leanness, my leanness, woe to me, who is much in the closet. Starving souls generally live at a distance from the mercy seat. Close access to God in wrestling prayer is sure to make the believer strong if not happy. The nearest place to the gate of heaven is the throne of the heaven of the heavenly grace. Much alone and you will have much assurance. Little alone with God your religion will be very shallow. You shall have many doubts and fears and but little of the joy of the Lord. Let us see to it, beloved, that since the soul-enriching path of prayer is open to the very weakest saint, since no high attainments are required, since you are not bidden to come because you are an advanced saint, But freely invited, if you be a saint at all, let us see to it that we be often in the way of private devotion. Be much on your knees. For so Elijah drew the rain upon the famished Israel's fields. Now you know why at 18 he was pastoring one of the largest churches. Now you know why I say, if you can read any of his sermons, read them. What a high view of prayer. And I think that when we get a high view of who Jesus is, the supremacy of who Christ is, that will drive us to have a high value of prayer. Communicating with God. So the question is, and I used to ask this question, how big is your God? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you now, how big do you see God? I pray that this time, that, I pray that you will take this week Set aside time each day for a concentrated prayer and praying the names, the descriptors of Christ through Scripture. And get a high view of who Jesus is. Amen? Let's pray. Our Supreme Heavenly Father. God of all. We come to you in awe of who you really are. We come to you thanking you that you have given us your word so that we can read it and we can learn from it of the supremacy of our our Lord and our Savior, supreme over all, supreme over everyone, supreme over every situation. God, we we just adore you today and stand in wonder. Of who you are. Lord, I pray that we would get such a high view of you and we realize how low we really are so that we could truly understand your love for us, that the supremacy of your love. Towards us allows us to seek forgiveness from you because of the supremacy of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus over our sin Lord I pray that as we we read your word this week and as we study and pray and get that high view of who you are that that would make us strong in our spirits in our resolve and Lord realize that your supremacy over everything means your supremacy over our opinions, your supremacy over our politics, your supremacy over our our feelings. Lord, that you are even supreme over the way we look at other people. And that your love for them would flow through us so that they may know the supremacy of you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I'm going to invite all of those who are watching us on online. Let me encourage you Don't stay home on Sundays. Go to church. Amen? Amen. Don't just sit there in your home and say, Ah, i got church right here. Find a place that is going to nourish your souls through the scripture, through worship, through gathering together. Because I tell you what, we get a lot of strength out of gathering together, don't we? Amen. So let me encourage you. If you live on the east side of Baltimore County or even the east part of Baltimore City, um, we're a couple miles outside the Beltway. As a matter of fact, if you come down 95 on the Route 40, I will tell you, we are exactly, the Middle River Road is exactly six miles from there. I only know that because my GPS tells me. Okay. So come out and join us. All of our information is, is, is there underneath. But uh, God bless you and thank you for joining us this morning. Amen? Amen? Now your assignments. Yeah, you have homework. Don't just go to church on Sunday. Go outside today and be the church. Amen. Praise God. God bless you.